This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Welcome one and all to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. I'm your host Terence Ford and you may hear in my voice that I'm a bit under the weather but we're getting to that. Joined by Sam Heskiff and back from holiday with, is that a sunburn now but? No, it's just the lightning in my in my lounge is a bit red. <laughs> How was your travels? Good, thank you very much. Very nice. Nice to be here. Nice to be away. Nice to get away again. Um, although uh, right. <laughs> Mike, Mike Scott of the back of the Les Parish is definitely trying to rival you in holidays away. Like that man is constantly on holiday. He 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 was on holiday in the same place where I was away working. So that all this I was been on holiday for three months. I was away working, and he fucking turned up on holiday. So let's put this to bed. It's not me. I don't go on a holiday that much. Let's end it now. Let's end it Did- now. Did the did what you were filming call for a very tall extra? Are we going to see him floating around in the background of the film? I mean, people think I you know I I got a lot of uh, uh, flack in Greece for being pale, but <laughs> Mike Mike Scott is a you know he made he made me look positively bronzed. So no, I don't. He, we couldn't we couldn't crowbar him into my big fat Greek wedding three, unfortunately. <laughs> well, he could have been like you know uh, an exotic in Corpse? relation. To people. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say he could he could just be like the pillar on an Acropolis or something. Just stand no, there and no, be no. part of the building. Wrong, he's, he's the wrong proportions, unfortunately. Hey, listen, um, pasty gingers like myself, we're exotic in certain parts of the world. I thought you were going to say oh. in certain parts of your body. And I, and, I, and I wasn't going to call your bluff. <laughs> I'll show you my Brazilian anytime, mate. Don't worry. Oh, dear. Um, how, was it, how was it with Carl? How was it with Carl? Um, yeah, I mean, interaction with the pod was like it's never been before, mate. Yeah, n- numbers off the charts. Yeah, yeah. And you two were still on it. So it's, it's you know... Clearly nothing to do with me. 
I did listen. Um, I did listen. I did listen. Yeah, as always, thank you to uh, thank you to Carl for joining. Um, always insightful, uh, never disappoints. Well, he disappointed me. He did disappoint me a little bit because, uh, you know, not not that I've made notes, but let me just open <laughs> up my notes here. <laughs> no, and, and Carl, Carl will appreciate this. I think I, it was only about five minutes into the pod you were talking about Tiny Rebel and you know all your ideal sponsorship brands, and and Carl just used his used his his guest appearance on the platform to like make an appeal for a free stone Island jacket. I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is really rich because Carl knows how much I love penguin clothing, which is a company that he works for. Never seen any of it. And he comes in, takes my, takes my, takes my spot and starts fucking, Oh, I'll have a, I'll have a stone Island jacket. Back of I guess line. this is a, this is a bad time to tell you that Terence and I both got free penguin jackets. <laughs> but inviting him on the pod. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I actually made a purchase from Penguin last week. Um, no discount code or anything. To be nice. fair, he did message me after and say, if you're going to buy it, message me, I'll get you a discount code. Maybe we can for get fu- a back in the nest discount for code for Penguin. Sake. That, the, the money that could have saved me over the last probably at 12 back years. Back in the nest 25 at checkout for 25% yes. off. Carl, Honestly, we're on to you. <laughs> I'll be livid. I'll be livid if that's a thing. Well, I got to say, I I went to the to the game yesterday. Got to my seat, and I've got a friend who sits in the row in front who listens to the pod, and he had bought me a packet of Revels because Revels still refused to sponsor us. Oh, fuck so off. I'm getting through Revels here. This is quality. I'm not sure so, Revels refuse to sponsor us. I just reckon they have zero idea that we're interested. So you need to tag Revels in. Okay, I'm going to do that in the next week and say, Mister Revel. <laughs> I want some of your chocolate balls in my mouth, and then yep. maybe it will happen. If if Sam, would you believe me if I told you my brother-in-law to be's surname is Revel? Is he heir to the mysterious chocolate fortune? Do you know what? I've never thought to ask him, but I will. Billy Revel. If, if he, if he's, it, also, he's also an Arsenal fan, so well. If listen, if that Mister Revel, if, probably not. If he is, and he can get me free Revels, I might give him my penguin jacket for free. What we could do as well is we could say to Revels, look, we're just in the middle of launching a song about Tyrick Mitchell to Rebel Rebel by David Bowie. We could get 25,000 people singing Rebel Rebel instead of Tyrick Ah, Mitchell. This is excellent work. I I do want to say (laughs) I, I should name check Dave who gave me the Revels. So thanks to Dave. If Dave, if you have any ins at Revels... Please also do the business for me, please. Thanks. Right. Well, now we're sponsored by Talk Sport. We might get, you know, this could be the this could be the start of a, a, a glut of things coming through our door. Uh, speaking of that, let's listen to this. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport, powered by fans. I mean, they are paying us so much money that I think I might quit my job. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Albert. What, what's the deal? What's going on with TalkSport? I'll be honest. I don't know. I just <laughs> basically <laughs> listen. This is this is my this is my interpretation of the story. I've done a few <laughs> spots. I've done a few spots on TalkSport. One the last from, of like, from Dark Hills in from Dark Corfu. Hills in Corfu <laughs> on the phone, pissed to Paul Ross. That was you know that was a moment. Uh, and then and then they've basically said. That's all good, isn't it? And we've we've actually listened to the podcast. Uh, do you want to be sponsored by us and join the aforementioned 
net fan network. So yeah, so that's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. Um, chances of getting Simon Jordan on? I mean, we've got to push um, for it. We do have to push for it. Offer him. We're offering some of Heskiff's revels and see what he says. <laughs> Heskiff, how many minutes for an interview do you reckon we'd get before he'd hang up on us? Minutes plural is pushing it, I reckon. <laughs> you ungrateful you ungrateful oh. shits. <laughs> I'd love it though, because it'd give me an excuse to reread his book, which whilst being a massive work of fiction was, was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Come on, oh, that, Chris, that. That, that, that that Chris Rear anecdote is too good to not be true. <laughs> I love the Noel Wheeler one as well when he calls in sick and then he comes back to London from the away game and goes into the nightclub and Noel Whelan's in there <laughs> gold there you go gold brilliant so um, yeah so we're affiliated with Talk Sport Fan Network now so um, hopefully some collaborations will come from that and um, yeah we'll see how we'll see how it goes uh, at the request of someone on Twitter Jack was it I think damn I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? I'm going to leave you three to it, man. I've dusted off the jingle, um, but (laughs) I have been at a leaving party at work today. Um, uh, Around 14 of my colleagues who I've worked with for a decade were made redundant, (laughs) and it was our leaving party. And I am five times... Glad you're laughing. I'm... Well, it's not funny, but that's a story for another day. I am five pints deep already, and I am feeling like I've got a cold. I'm hoping it's not COVID. You remember last time this happened to me on the pod, I was like, I think I might have COVID, and the next day, oh, there's a positive COVID test. Hopefully it's not that. But So I found the jingle, but I'm drinking a cup of tea. The worst thing about it is I couldn't even make myself a hot toddy because I don't have the ingredients for it. So that's it. Cup of tea. I've joined the Heskiff ranks of just patheticness. Uh, I would never allow myself to drink in a cup of tea. How dare you? I'm, I'm, I'm drinking, I'm drinking spark, sparkling water. So I'm not doing myself any favours either, admitting that. And Albert's drinking sparkling water of a kind. Well, I think, well, there's bubbles in it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm drinking a Peroni Red. Nice. Or, as they say in Italy, a Peroni Rosso, I think they say. A Peroni... Hang on, hang on, let's do that again, seeing as we're now affiliated with TalkSport. A Peroni Paul Rosso. (laughs) Oh, very good. Thanks. Right. the jingle. (laughs) I'm not playing that jingle, I'm playing this jingle. No, there's a two-minute version of that I could have downloaded. I might do it sometime, just play it um, out. Thank, thank fuck you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's Media Watch. Heskiff, it's you. Uh, yes. Uh, You're in the program. Oh, I programs. do know this. Programs. Oof. I'm glad that's where we went with that. <laughs> uh, I am in the program, uh, talking about programs. Although they haven't, they haven't put my name in there. I'm known as this supporter. Um, which I think we will call you from the rest of this show, this supporter. So there goes there goes my brand awareness down the toilet. Um, 
Yeah, I put a tweet up. Uh, we talked about me downloading that app where I sort of log all the all the games I've been to, and I was looking at all my old programs. Incidentally, and then, I bumped that to nine quid a year. It used to be like two forty nine. It's now nine ninety nine or something. Pissed outrageous. Me. Carry on. Um, yeah, I found it. I found a program from twenty eleven, and the front cover was uh, Klein and Joel Ward, who was in a Portsmouth kit, battling for the ball. And I just said something like, who'd have thought these two 11 years later would be, you know, in our first team defence getting a draw at Anfield? And Battling the team was quite popular. Position. <laughs> or left back or right centre back in a five. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, and the tweet was quite popular and I guess they put it in the programme. So, you cheers, programme. Program. Are, are you getting framed? Will you sign my copy? Sure. That, five pounds. Packet <laughs> Revels. Uh, for a tenner, if you stick that yellow post-it note on that you always hold up to the screen, um, I'll, I'll give you a tenner. <laughs> yes, have, we ever revealed like what, <laughs> have we ever revealed what the post-it note says? I don't think we have. No. Should we run, if, a, comp- should we run a competition? Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. You, if you're listening to this, tweet back of the nest with an artistic rendition of what you think is on the post-it note that I show to Albert every week. And then the best one will win a prize. A Listen, I don't, I don't want to split hairs, but you show it to me and Terence because we can both see it. Well, we now know who it's directed at. Well, yeah. now we do, yeah. This is clues, though. We're giving away a lot of clues here. Yeah. So uh, I will stick a Cole? tweet up. Did you show it to Cole last week? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. We know how to treat our guests. Yeah. So people know it's not going to be a picture of a penguin. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Right. What we got for this week? More. Oh, I suppose we've got more media here. I've been only been shared this about 15 times in the build up to the show. It's a tweet from 2018 <laughs> from. A newspaper says Roy Hodgson keen on Jordan Ayew loan, but won't pursue a deal for Alfie Harlan's five million rated son, as he's not physical enough for the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> so, Albert, that adds Erling Haaland to the ranks of Virgil Van Dijk of people that we could have had through the door, but decided against it. Well, luckily that's not come to bite us in the arse, has it? On the night of recording, Erling Haaland has banged his second hat-trick in three days, becoming the fastest player ever to score two hat-tricks in the Premier League. Oy. By by some significant distance. He's done yes, it in five, but, yes. five games. Yes, but did he score them by being physical enough for the Premier League? <laughs> um, he beats Demba Barr's record of 21 games to score a first two hat-tricks. There you Closely go. followed by Tony Yeboa and Fernando Torres on 25. And Fabrizio Ravanelli on 26. I mean, what a list that is. It's a great list. It is. Ravanelli. It kind of looks like it could be Fabrizio Ravanelli's son, Erling Haaland, looking at this picture. Look at him. Look, with that blonde hair, just squint. Could be grey. French crop it. What a player he was. So... Erling Haaland and Virgil van Dijk 
if we would have had them Hesky, do you think the main stand mm. would be built by now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm glad yeah. that we we've found a nice physical replacement Scandinavian in Alex Serlot, who uh, <laughs> again I watched tackle himself and fall over in Switzerland. So I think we made the right choice with that. Sorry, are you suggesting that they would have built it? They're physical, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're good, don't get me wrong, but I, I wouldn't want them to knock up a, a 20,000-seater stand, you know? No, I'm just more talking about their fees when we sold them. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm struggling, boys. It's gonna it's gonna be a struggle tonight. I'm gonna get through it, and then I'm gonna go away and feel very sorry for myself. The under twenty ones managed to do what we couldn't last night as the first team and won two 0 in the Papa John's Trophy. Um, really, really annoyed that these games are on the same night as first team games because mm-hmm. not so much Swindon, but I would have liked to have gone to the Plymouth game, for example, that will be upcoming. But two goals for J.K. Gordon. Um, Haskiff, he's been, you know, he had that unfortunate injury a couple of years back, um, kept him out for a while. He's now, you know, he was the promising prospect from the youth mm-hmm. team. Looks like he's finally getting back up to speed again with some really impressive performances. Yeah, he's been really good when I've seen him uh, recently. And the, the goals that he scored yesterday, actually, I actually completely forgot the game was on uh, yesterday, but I watched the goals this morning and he. Both of the goals he took really, really well. So yeah, it's good for him. I think he's he's looking like he's quite a physical guy. Um, has a good touch. Scored some nice goals for the twenty ones this season already. Um, so you know, it's sort of a, a good advertisement for them playing in the in the Papa Johns because that might that might get him a loan um, to to a league club. Hopefully, a bit more successful than Teo's, which looks like it's about to end. Yeah, that's um, a really weird one now. God knows what's happened. Um, they've obviously felt like he's not the right fit or something. Um, they're coming up with an excuse that they need a centre-back. But to give the kid barely a chance, it feels like something something's happened that we're, not, we're probably not going to hear about, right? Yeah, it is weird. I mean, obviously we highly rate him and, and all of us that have seen him really like him as well. And I just thought, yeah, great for him to get a loan to a championship club. I thought he'd do really well there. Obviously, they've not played many games because of their knackered pitch, but you would think something must have happened for them in training and having seen him play like a game and a half that they said, no, this is this is not the sort of player we want. But I mean, if he's not going to play there at all, then we, we might as well take him back and see if we can get him another loan or... Who knows, even push now that, you know, we, we might need cover at left back, maybe push push on with Palace. I mean, it feels unrealistic that he goes on loan to Coventry and can't make an impact and is sent back and then to walk into a Premier League side. So it, I think we'd all like to see that, but optimistic, I think, um, especially based on what we've we've seen like he's definitely enthusiastic but i think he's got a lot he's got to learn a lot to learn still physically mm-hmm. he's not quite there and whatever but you never know throw him into the deep end and see what happens but yeah really sad that he's he's not managed to make it work but hopefully we'll be able to find him another loan before the deadline's up um and the deadline 
day is well the day you listen to this is probably it's going to be deadline day um albert do you reckon we're going to get anyone in it's getting very close and there's real no real hard and fast rumors no, I mean, I, I was when I was in Spain. I had a uh, one of the guys I was with. He's like, "Oh, have you heard the news?" And I was like, "What?" And he went, "Oh, you put a bid in for for Gallagher." And it was mm-hmm. like, oh, "Oh, have we?" And then it, you know, there was a few reports suggesting we had probably not enough to convince Chelsea to sell him, even though he's obviously had a bit of a torrid time there in the last couple of games. You know, the Chelsea aren't stupid; they won't write him off based on that. Uh, so whether we're just being clever or it's a bit of a smokescreen for another player that we're trying to get. I mean, we never really, you know, Dekure was quite a sort of well-protracted transfer for us, you know, and it was obviously finally confirmed that we'd signed two of them, um, you know, which is typical. Uh, You know, it's, we're never really ones to have names splashed across the press for a real length of time. So, you know, Parrish is always quite good at keeping his powder dry and uh you know playing cards close to his chest so it wouldn't surprise me if we got someone else in i don't think it'll be conor gallagher um you know and again without without sort of seeing other names banded around it's it's hard to make a prediction but as patrick vieira said in the after the game you know he he trusts the club he he knows we're trying to it's just whether we can get him over the line or not sort of uh, this late in the game, but yeah, we definitely need something in midfield, and we you know we'll talk about it. I'm sure when we cover Brentford, uh, I think you know there's still a there's still something lacking up up at the very top end of the pitch. So there's definitely um, there's definitely potential to improve. It's just whether we can. Yeah, Carl's been carrying on on Twitter saying that we're really pushing for Sar. Um, Heskiff, do you think that? Based on what you saw last night, he'd, he'd help in in scenarios like that break a team down. Um, like I think he's an all right player, um, and I wouldn't mind if we bought him, but I don't think he's the priority. Um, I, I really think we need to get another central midfielder in. I think again, it was highlighted a bit yesterday where, and I'm not trying to dig out Schlup because I quite like him now. <laughs> But I don't. I don't think he's the answer to play in that in that position for the whole season. Then you bring on Luca, who is definitely not the answer. Um, and it's been it's been clear that we wanted Gallagher, but I assumed we wouldn't get him, so we'd be working elsewhere, which we might be doing. But you know, if we end the window now, where Vieira said he wanted more midfielders, and we've ended up arguably with less than last season. Then I think that's an opportunity missed. Um, I I do agree. We need another, or we need another striker. Um, is Saar that person? No. Is he a good player? Yeah, he's all right. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I I would like us to really push for a central midfielder because I think that's where we're we're really lacking at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Definitely, someone to go in there alongside to give options. Um, the core is obviously had a fantastic game with we'll, we'll touch on uh, again when we talk about Brentford but yeah someone in alongside him and as a you slut further up the pitch I mean we might need him at left back if Tyrant Mitchell continues to break down who knows but great utility player to have and you know if it if the window closes and this is the scene we end up with I'm not 
devastated that Schlupp's in there. You know, could we could we get someone better in? Yes, it would be nice, but he's already proved that you can absolutely do a job. So we'll see. But as I say, I would have expected by now to have something a bit more um, concrete seeming, and it doesn't seem that way. But you know, Carl did say he wanted to. We'd made a bid for Conor Gallagher, and that they didn't want to go back too soon after making it so something more around the 30 million mark will probably go in tomorrow and we'll see what Chelsea's resolves like at that point see if they need to be thinking about money based on signings they might want to bring in so we'll we'll see how it goes um let's start talking about Brentford then um the lineup Albert was this effectively minus Tyrick Mitchell not being in the starting eleven, is it, is this pushing our best starting eleven that we can possibly field at the moment? Oh, that's a good. Uh, yeah, I mean, there'll be people that debate who should be the the starting striker, you know, at the top end because there, you know, there isn't a lot necessarily to choose between the two. It's a matter of opinion and taste, and your, you know, are you looking to hit someone taller who can make the ball stick, or are you trying to sort of play in behind? with a player who's a bit more of a, what you might call a natural finisher. So, yeah, I think I think the short answer is yes. It's definitely our best, most favoured 11 that was available. Um, you know, it's there's, there's not a lot to be... Again, for me, I still think Hughes has probably done enough to... I mean, I didn't see any of Oxford. I know Hughes played. Um, I still think Hughes has done enough at the end of last season to show that he he, he could start. Um, whether that's at the expense of Schlupp is probably the that's probably the obvious one to knock out. You know, based on what we've just said. Um, but is he is he as dynamic as driving forward as Schlupp? No, he probably isn't. But is he a bit more disciplined and does he break up play a bit more uh, effectively? I would say yes. So. I think that is probably the best eleven. If you ask nine out of, nine out of ten Palace fans, would probably say yes. Yeah, I mean, Schlupp did have opportunities last night to break through the lines, and he did it quite well. Um, one ended with a shot straight at the keeper from range, backed by twenty five thousand people shouting "shoot" at him. <laughs> um, but then, of course, he then in the second half decided not to feed Mateta with a simple sideways pass that would have led to a really good chance for the Belgium and. Again, hit a tame shot with his right foot this time straight at the goalkeeper. So, yeah, I mean, I was um, I was surprised to see the lineup. I was still I, I just assumed it was going to be Ayu instead of Elise. But Heskiff, what did you think of Elise? Um, I mean, it was a it was a great battle all across the pitch last night. Um, mm-hmm. Loads and loads of energy and lots of pace from Brentford in there, particularly mm-hmm. at fullback. Um, really, really put a shift in their players and. It was a good test for Elise, but he started to find the beating of his man on a fairly consistent basis, but end product was missing a little bit. Yeah, after I was slandered last week <laughs> by saying that I thought that he was finished. Uh, no, he, he, yeah, I, I think he, I think, he I took think him he said he can't finish after last night. You changed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it took him a little while to get going. I think, you know, his first start, in the league anyway. And like you say, Brentford were doing a lot of running. Um, but he had a couple of opportunities where he got the ball in first half, which was quite good. The one that went across, I don't know if it was a face or goal, but sort of into the box. And it was one of those from the homes there. You just have no idea how it hasn't gone in. 
Um, but in the second half, yeah, he obviously had that great shot that hit the post, which from where I was stood looked like it was going in all the way. So that was a bit annoying. Um, but he, yeah, he got his sighters in a bit and he got a bit more, bit more involved in the game. Um, I think obviously we know there's way more to, to come from him and I'm sure as he gets his fitness up and gets into the swing of things, he'll he'll be back to, you know, annihilating fullbacks like we know he can. Um, but I thought he was good, you know. Um, obviously, I'm no disparager of Ayu. I like Ayu. I think he does a good job. But Elise is an exciting play that when he is getting with the ball and running and you think he's just one sort of little shoulder drop away from absolutely rinsing a defender, that's what you want to see. And I think he's getting there. He's not there at the moment this season, but he, he certainly will be soon, I reckon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Mm, yeah, definitely. You've got to remember he's still young, still learning. And definitely think there is an unbelievable player in there, as most of us do. And yeah, they want to get him as many minutes as possible, particularly in home games against the likes of Brentford and so on um, this year. Games you expect to be in the final third a bit more. Um, and there's a big argument that we'll get into later that he shouldn't have come off the pitch when he did because it completely changed the momentum of the game. But we'll get into that later. Um, in the interest of time, we're just going to go straight to Zaha's goal. Albert, it's becoming a trademark that cut in, bend it into the far top corner, just making it and making it look easy these days. Um He's probably in the form of his life at the sort of time you'd expect him to be hitting his prime. Yeah, and with every one of those that type of goal that he scores, it's like he's trying to do it from a slightly more restricted position. You know, there was there was several players really, really close to him yesterday, and he kind of, to, I mean, to say to say he digs it out suggests it was kind of hit quite tamely, but he, you know, he he hasn't got much room to manoeuvre it. And he's just he's just caught it so sweetly, you know, and it hits the very, you know, the first sort of twelve inches of the side netting. You know, he, 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 again, the old cliche: you couldn't you couldn't have placed it there with your fucking hands any better. Um, it's just a fantastic goal, and when you're standing in a <clears throat> an hour long queue at Passport Control at Gatwick Airport, streaming it on your phone, um, it's the perfect lift at that time it was a fucking fantastic goal it was great yeah he's talked a lot about um, in recent interviews not letting the goalkeeper set he talked about it at Anfield he talked about it after the Villa game as well taking the goalkeepers by surprise but that was taking it to some new level like that hickey one it was a great battle between the two of them you know both had their moments in the game where they got the better of the other one but 
he knew he had to take it early because that guy was all over him like a rash all the time. And um, it's just a magical finish. It really, really is. Um, Haskiff, I see yeah. wanting to get in. Well, I mean, it, it was an absolutely unbelievable goal. Um, but the thing that I noticed, we, we had a corner not long afterwards and Wilf was by their goalie getting the ball to, to kick it to whoever was taking it. And obviously the goal he had is back to me, but he must have said something like, great goal or something like that, because Wilf nodded, smiled and winked at him. Yeah. And it's like, it's just one of those things with the goal. It's like, you, he knows he ain't got a chance in saving that. You just got to acknowledge what a finish it is and deserves to win a game, that goal. Unfortunately, it didn't. Yeah. And um, did you think he was going to do the other, from the other side when it fell on his left? <laughs> <laughs> and he sort of put it in towards us in block C and B. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he when he when he gets into like the D of the you know the edge of the box, I'm just like, yeah, just go on, wrap your foot round it, and then it just absolutely flies past me somewhere completely different other than the goal. So obviously, right foot is a stronger one. But it's you know it, it, it's it's great because he's I mean he's never he's never been shy of having a shot, but. You know, I remember. I don't know. It's in my memory. It's quite an early moment in Vieira's career that he's, you know, he, he came out to the press and he said he's pulled Zaha to one side and said, you know, don't be afraid to shoot. Don't be afraid to take free kicks, penalties. Like just, just go out of there and express yourself. And you know, we're seeing we're seeing the fruits of it. I mean, he's he's banged in so many goals already. It was, I mean, he has, but it feels like he's he's just such a rich vein of form. He scored so many goals this season already. You know, and and long may it continue. You know, particularly if this is what's probably shaping up to be his last season with us. You know, if he doesn't sign a new contract, um, if he goes out in this vein of form, then you know what what a way to to what a way to sort of say goodbye. I mean, it's he's, he's just in the in the vein of his life, and you know, it's just it's just great that it's great that he's still at the club, and it, you know, we're all very we're all very lucky to witness goals like that because they don't come along very often. Yeah, it takes him to four and four this season. Um, takes him to eighty-six goals in his Palace career, which puts him top ten, overtaking Andy Johnson. Um, obviously, Andy Johnson did it in, in far fewer games. Uh, to be fair to him, um, and sixty-five Premier League goals, which is obviously by far and away the most. Um, Think he could get to the hundred before well, the end of the yeah, season? That's, that's, that's my question. I was going to ask not before the end of the season. <laughs> I mean. Uh, he's got to be looking at 20 goals now with four, with four from his first four games. He's got to be looking at 20 goals for the first time in his, in, in his career this year. Um, I mean, if he keeps putting the ball in the side netting like, like that, no one's going to be able to stop him. But um, yeah, Heskin, in terms of 100 Premier League goals in his career, if he stays fit, it's hard to see him not reaching that milestone. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's, like you say, he's, his confidence is off the charts at the moment and he's confident because he knows he can do it. You know, he scored goals like that last year against Norwich and Watford and he's scoring goals like, like you said, taking it early like he did against Liverpool and, and Villa. These are not easy goals to score, you know, and obviously I'm not going to say he's as good a striker as Henri, but they said uh, on the telly when he scored at Anfield that that's an Henri finish and they're so difficult to do and he makes it look so easy that it's a mark of how good a player he is and, and how confident he is to take it on, you know, because he, it's not like he has loads and loads of those shots and misses them all. Mm. He takes those sort of shots and he scores them. So getting to a hundred goals 
shouldn't shouldn't be an issue for a Marvin to fall. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about it before with the shooting drills. I've seen them doing uh, that they put up on the social media. It's, it's definitely something that Vieira has added to his game in coming to the you know club and giving him the belief, as Albert talked about earlier. And you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he's had him looking at videos of Omri to produce those sort of finishes because it, yeah, it's it's something that he's added to his game since Vieira's come and long may it continue and hopefully <laughs> a new contract for Palace and it can continue for a few more years to come yet. Um, we sort of touched on it a little bit already, but the mateta Edward debate is raging on. Um, it's getting to people questioning it, either of them good enough <laughs> to, to spearhead this attack. Um, you know, with Ben Teke, who is someone we've let go, it was always a striker that was linking play. Um, but you get the impression that if he's getting rid of a Ben Teke, that's not what he's looking for anymore. He doesn't want a striker just to link play. He wants a striker to score goals. But um, it's not really bearing fruit at the moment this season. Um, Albert, who's your, who's your preferred choice out of the two? If you're playing, if you're playing uh, how we started last night, who would who would you want, Mateta or Edouard? I mean, as a as a type of striker, I'd I'd you know I'd always plump for Edward. Um, but slotting into our team and the players that are either side of them, it's 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 probably Mateta. I think Edward's some of Edward's better days have been out wide, or certainly outside of the of a three. Uh, but yeah, I think. We, I, I really wanted Ben Teke to work out. I like I like the linking element to his play. I like the fact he was a, a physical presence. I think we, I mean, it was it's, it's it's better these days, but certainly under Roy, we were just you know we lacked a physical presence. Um, so I think Mateta being able to sort of bully himself around the box and and rough a few people up and and have that you know it's, it's not meant to sound disrespectful, but have that sort of that chaos factor. Um, you know, I think he he's the one that's probably probably going to do better in the system that we're playing. Um, however, none of, like, like you say, none none of them seem to be grabbing. They're, they're both getting the, the equal amount of opportunities. Almost, I haven't looked at the exact minutes to minutes, but you know, it feels like you know you get two starts and then that gets two starts and that you know. But it just doesn't feel like either of them are going to grab it by the horns and like absolutely cement that place, which is you know, which is a shame for the team because every, everything around that that position is great. You know, we saw Elisa yesterday; Eze is amazing. Zaha's obviously we don't even need to fucking mention how good he is. So it kind of you know, are we being greedy? You know, in requesting a striker that's just like slots into that space and is going to bag 15, 18 goals a season. You know, they are the hardest strikers, to, the hardest players to find, um, but. You know, based on what I'm seeing in, in the system we're playing, I think I'd, I'd have to put my money down on Mateta. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you. I think Mateta's probably the better choice. Um, I think a lot of it with him comes down to how coachable he is, um, because he's very he's very close to being able to be a good player. There's points last night we see it, and it was a couple of times where he overrun balls that were played into him and then he's trying to stretch out of his trading foot to try and bring it under control. Where the ball was actually going is the right place 
for the ball to go. And he needs to hold that more central area. In the box, he's always trying to run a bit too far out wide where he needs to use his physical presence and hold that defender off. And then it gives him options to either spin or lay the ball off to Eze or Zaha or Elise, whoever's running in off of him. And it just didn't quite work out in a few scenarios last night. But I think a lot of it is down to Mateta just overrunning those things. And it's just a simple adjustment just to halt your run a few yards earlier and use your physical presence to create a lot more of a lot of opportunities for us in the final third, and um, yeah, say so it just comes down to how coachable he is and how um, clever he is to pick those things up, and whether we've got the coaching staff to you know realise those uh, potentially. For I mean, I, I sound ridiculous saying that. Like, have we got the coaching staff to spot this? Like, I'm some sort of fucking genius. But um, go on, Heskiff. Yeah, I, I think it's it. It's a tough question to answer because they both have sort of facets in a game that will work really well. I think Edward's feet a good technically I think he's a good player what I like about Mateta is his first instinct is always to swing a leg at the ball and get a shot off and like you say if his positional sense at times or his his the way he run was a, a little bit tighter then he'd be able to get more shots off and get more goals whereas I think Edouard maybe is trying to overwork it a little bit before he gets before he gets a shot away so it's tough I, yeah I, I, I agree with you two where I think I think probably Edouard technically is a better player, but for the system we play and what we sort of need our strikers to do, Mateta is the one that fits in. Um, it's just a shame that neither of them are really hitting hitting runs of form at the moment so far. Yeah, I'm. I'll go out on a limb and say it. I think Edouard's toast, and it'll, it'll it'll go at the end of the season. I I don't think there's a place for him here anymore. I think consistently, I've, again, I've talked about in the past. He he's clearly not doing what Vieira wants him to do, and I just I, I think he's going to sever ties at the end of the season and use use his wages to get someone else in. Um, hopefully, he can prove me wrong, and you can all throw it in my face when he's got twelve goals come the end of the season or something. But I just I, I can't see it to be honest. Um, so Zaha Benzabal top bins. We're one new up. Uh, we're finally starting to win the battle with midfield. You know they've put a lot of energy in, been chasing us down a lot. As I say, that energy it was something to admire and the pace, but we were really starting to get a grip in the game. And in the space of a few minutes, it seems like Vieira overthinks things once again and thinks about seeing that he's turning his attention to seeing the game out and how he can do that from a defensive manner as opposed to defending from the front. And we blow it. <laughs> I mean, the only time I can remember is when he's bought on attacking substitutions in a scenario where we're leading one nil late into the game was at city away when he bought on Elise for Kiate. And then we scored. we talked about this last week, but this is a scenario where he's gone to five at the back against Brentford. No disrespect to Brentford to say, I, I admired their performance last night. I think they're a tidy team, but Heskiff five at the back mm. when you've got the likes of Eze Zaha and Elise that, you know, makes Brentford go. If we overcommit, they're going to punish us here. But we've got to overcommit. That's the, we've got them in the perfect situation that they got to overcommit, mm-hmm. and we take off all the threats up front. Yeah, and I think that's what cost us. I think that's directly what cost us. I've seen some people say they they don't think it is, but for me, I, I agree. Brentford are playing all right, but I don't think they were creating huge amounts. I thought that we looked good when we went forward and changing the formation to five at the back just stopped that like dead pretty much instantly. And it's, 
it, it at times it looked like certain players didn't know where they should be. Um, and, and the one thing that really got me was that we were sort of, our, our, our lines were sort of 10, 15 yards deeper and it was inviting, it was inviting them on. And it really reminded me last season of uh, when we played Arsenal away, we were two and up playing really, really well. And he took off Edouard and brought on Tonks. And I remember all of us at the time in the stands thought it was a bit of a weird thing to do. And then obviously Arsenal scored a last minute equaliser. And it felt like that here. It's just like, I don't know why he did it. I don't have a problem with five at the back uh, in games like Liverpool away, where we know we're going to be under the cosh and everyone knows where they're playing from the off. But there was a lot of sort of tinkering about bringing on Luca, then moving Ward from left back to right centre back. And it just, it felt inevitable, which is annoying because I'm miserable at the best of times, but it just felt the goal was coming. And again, it's another one of those where we seem to have a lot of players around the guy with the ball and people not getting a tackle in. Like Diaz at Anfield. I didn't see the game, but I saw the highlights of Man City and it looked like that was the same with the Bernardo Silva. He sort of wasn't challenged when he ran and... There was a, a a still from the game that you sent us, Terence, where the guy who crossed the ball had like three or four Palace players around him. It's like, I don't know if that's a positional thing, a formation thing, where no one really knows who's supposed to be picking him up or what they're supposed to do, but just just stick it's a foot in. I mean, it's all over the shop. Joel Ward's got out to a player who's got three players around him to make it four, which has dragged Anderson forward, which has dragged Gay across and it's allowed the, the two attacking Brentford players to get in between them. And, you know, there wasn't that fluidity and understanding between the back line in the ga- in that game in its sense to, you know, stop that from happening. And it just seemed to happen in slow motion. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as the game went on, we were lucky to get out with a point, to be honest. They, Guaita mm-hmm. made a really good save. They hit the crossbar. And, um yeah, it was a bit of a mess. And Albert, this is a set that was the seventh time under Vieira that we've conceded a goal in eighty-five minutes plus, which has changed the result of the game. Um, three of those have ended up as losses. Four of them have ended up as draws. And then when you actually look at us leading one-nil going into the last ten minutes under Vieira, it's five wins and four draws. So we can't barely ever hold on half of the time, basically, when we've got that lead, that narrow lead going into the last 10. Is it becoming, you know, something that's going to end up defining Vieira's reign as Crystal Palace manager if he doesn't fix it up? I mean, yeah, I mean, it could. I hope, I hope it doesn't because I think I think you look at what you look at what Vieira's accrued in terms of credit, um, you know, just, just looping back to what we were talking about. If you'd have told me the next manager is going to come in and and improve Wilfred Zaha, not not use him differently, like act, like actually improve what is arguably been our best player for, uh, you know, pick a number, however many seasons, then you know Vieira's absolutely done that with a plum. You know, he's changed the whole style. You know, we've 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 brought in a lot of first team players predominantly last season. Um, after four years of a, another manager playing a completely different style, so I think for me. Vieira's banked enough credit for if if that's if that's Vieira's problem at the moment, then again we still you know, we still came away with a point trying to look positively at it. Um, you know we're always going to need something to fix, and I think at, I think at the moment I think you know 
the two things to fix, you know, we haven't got a, we haven't got a striker that's, I'm, I'm, and I'm not going to include Zaha as an out and out striker. We haven't got a striker that's that's performing well enough. And yeah, we have got this this sort of cloud that hangs over us of of conceding late. And uh, you know, and yesterday's was was really frustrating. Again, the again don't want to offer up scapegoats, but you know, Luke has come on and not necessarily set himself on fire with glory. Um, the, the the shape at the back for that goal, you know, the is it uh, is it Wisser, the, the the player that scored? You know, he, he could have he could have literally walked very casually into the into the box smoking a fag and still had the same amount of time just to nod that ball in. You know, that's that's how much space was left for him. Um, so Vieira's obviously got to do something about it. Uh, but again, is it is it a massive stick to to absolutely go it in with at the moment? No, it's not. It's it's clearly something we need to work on. Um, and again, in 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 a in slightly different circumstances, had had we pushed on at one nil and and played really attacking, and Brentford nicked one on the break, it might not be you two and, and I, but there, there'll be people sitting there going, why didn't why didn't he shore it up at the back? Why didn't he bring on this player that player to kind of preserve the lead? So you're always going to find you're always going to find different opinions and 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 and, and valid criticisms. You know, we've just it's, we, one thing's for sure: we've we've got to try and work work to turn turn those wins, uh, turn those draws into wins. Mm. Um, and I, I think the way we do it is, you know, you know having, having a more prolific striker up front. We we had several chances at one nil to 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 bag another goal. You know, Elise's had a good chance, Sars had a good chance. You know, Schlupp shot tame shot that you mentioned Terence from inside the area that that puts us up 2-0 and then you, you can kind of do not do what you want but you can keep it as it is or you can go five at the back and kind of look after the league that way but you know Vieira and, and, and the coaching staff will be looking at it um, and I, I think Zaha based on his post-match comments I think Zaha is probably going to have a few words about it as well yeah and that's you said they're big stick to beating with I don't want it to come across like that's what we're doing here it's like absolutely not like I'm I think we're all very largely happy with what Pete Patrick Vieira has been doing, um, and yeah, it, you know, we're playing by far better football than we've seen us play in seasons upon seasons. And he's still a manager that's learning his trade. Uh, you know, he's still early in his managerial career. He's in the best, arguably the best league in the world. Although if Harland keeps making a mockery of it, like it has, I might have to start questioning if we're the Farmers League. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so he's going to make mistakes and we've just got to hope he learned, him and his staff learn from him and we can we can stop this rot and it doesn't become, continue to be a feature of this season like it was last season. And then just to finish up on the game, I mean, you mentioned there about Luca coming on, not setting the world on fire since the start of 2021. Um, he, when he's been on the pitch, we've scored 19 and conceded 38 which um, especially considering last season we had a positive goal difference. That's, it's not a good look when he's on the pitch. So he's definitely not coming on and shoring things up, is he? But um, you know, that's a story for another day, I guess. But the last thing to touch on is Wilfred Zaha's post-match interview where, you know, to every Palace fan, typically passionate, um, clearly upset that his great goal hasn't won the game. But let's um, if other people viewing it a different different way uh, you know opposition fans believing that he's throwing our team under the bus which uh, I mean I don't think he was doing no no the, the one thing we know about Wolf is he's very he's very passionate emotional guy and like you say he's come off he's come off the pitch at that 
at the end of that game where he scored an unbelievable goal and we've played all right. Um, and because of a change that we've made, he seems to believe the same as I do, that that's cost us two points, essentially. And he's obviously disappointed because, you know, he he knows that we're doing something good overall under Vieira. He, he seems to be very positive about the direction the team have taken under him and the way that we're moving with the players we're buying in and that sort of thing. So obviously it's disappointing when we sort of revert to let's try and defend a lead when we were defending it fine by playing our normal way. Um, I don't think he was doing it to make a point to Vieira. I think he was just frustrated and I'm absolutely fine with him saying that because I'd rather hear, hear him give a shit and want us to keep going forward and keep trying to get wins then toe some really generic, boring line that we all know is a load of our bollocks. So, yeah, I don't think he was throwing anyone under the bus. I think he was just speaking his mind, and and I think that's fair enough. Okay, so man of the match, um, I, I, I'm going with the official choice, or not the official choice, the ones the fans are for. I think Decore was probably the best player on the pitch last night. Both of you nodding now. I don't think you're going to get any disagreement. I, I thought it was absolutely unbelievable. Like he, we, I, I think we were all like hoping he'd be as good as as the reports were saying. As oh, I can't believe Palace have bought bought him, and ev- every game he's getting better and better. And he was, I thought, he was absolutely unbelievable yesterday. Absolutely brilliant. I think he's going to be an unbelievable player for us this season. Yeah, and you think the best is yet to come, Albert. Once he gets settled in, is probably next season's going to be his year, where he's really going to shine and probably earn, earn a very big move away from us. <laughs> that's a spirit uh, yeah I mean I'd, li- I'd like to think you know 10, 12, 15 games into the season I think he's going to really, I mean he's already you know the Arsenal game was obviously a, a, t- a tough game you know season opener against the team that's top of the league currently um, and I think in, just in, in the in the five games we've played I think he's you know he, he's improved significantly and certainly settled maybe improved at the word, the word settled in is probably more apt and I think you know once we once the transfer window shuts, we know who are what you know what we're dealing with in terms of our midfield. Whether it's a Conor Gallagher or A and others coming in, who knows? But yeah, I think the the longer we go on and the the, the the more stable that midfield three becomes, I think he'll I think he'll grow accordingly. Mm, okay, right. <laughs> as always, let's try and talk about Newcastle as our next fixture. Um, what we got five points on the board now. Um, holding on to that last night would have, you know, obviously catapulted us up the table a bit more. But this is where we are after five games, five points. Um, Heskiff, are you disappointed with that outturn as it goes so far this season? And it, does it make you know Newcastle look like a game you really want to go and get a result? But you know they've had a decent start themselves. Obviously, night of recording, they've only lost to Anfield narrowly to a ninety-eighth minute winner. Um, by Roberto Firmino, so not going to be an easy game. No, I mean, in terms of total points, probably I would have hoped that we could beat Brentford, but I wouldn't have expected us to get a draw at Anfield, so ups and downs, really. Um, And I think for the most part, we've played pretty well. Um, I said I didn't see the Man City game, but I heard we were... Sorry, I heard we were very good in the first half, so... Yeah, I mean, I think Newcastle is going to be very tough. They're obviously on an upward curve, having spent loads of, of money and they're 
Isak guy scoring on his debut um, is going to be is going to be a, a, a good player and a good team to to face. And you know that their fans are going to give their their team a, a good sort of vocal backing now that they're not dog shit anymore. Um, I suppose the, the one positive for us is that I'm not going because I've been there five times and I've never seen a score even. Um, even when we got a penalty, Kabai missed it. So my <laughs> my my curse is 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 gone. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I mean, all all teams are now playing. It'll be both both teams will have played three games in a week. So I think that might play a part. Um, but listen, if we come out of if we come out of a draw, I'll be happy with that. If we come out with a win, I'll be very very happy because I think they're going to be pretty good this season. Yeah, I mean, I watched them against Man City, um, and they looked really, really good in patches. But Saint Maximan was missing in their game tonight. Um, bit of a knock for him. Bruno is also out injured. So Albert, there's you know, there's two of their big name players who are struggling. But obviously, as Heskip alluded to, they've added a bit more depth. Um, not a happy hunting ground for us. How are you feeling going into it? I hate Newcastle. Um, that's how I'm feeling. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, they're, they're, obviously, they've got all the money in the world now, and the wonderful Eddie Howe. So they're probably looking to, they're probably looking at us and going, "Well, that's a fixture they should want. You know, they should win and kick on and, and cement their place as a Champions League club." But you know, are, you know, are, are they a fantastic team? No, they're not. Uh, can we beat them on our day? Yes, we can. Um, am I answering my own questions? Yeah, I am. Uh, so I've, 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 I think we can go there and, and, and play well enough to get a point. Um, they don't scare me. They don't scare me, but they annoy me. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, just having Eddie Howe as a manager, I think, is enough. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um let alone the regime he's working under, um, but yeah, I think I think we're good. I think we're good enough to go there and and certainly give them a game. Absolutely, they're not. You know, we're not going to get there. Go there and get dicked. Quote me on that. <laughs> okay, so what's the score going to be then? Four 0 Newcastle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no, I think it's. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for uh, uh, a respect respectable one all. Um, consider you're not there, Heskiff. We'll probably get a goal. Mm, I was going to say we're going to lose one nil. What's the name of the uh, uh, guy? Uh, Al- Al- Almiron. He'll score. Yeah. Dopey. That's what he did. <laughs> yeah. One, one nil. Almiron was last season. Yeah. Um, I know his first goal in a thousand games. I think the stat was, wasn't it? Yes, something like that. Although he has scored this season, so um, it, there's no monkeys to get off his back in terms of a bad scoring record. So. Might he not score a brace? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think in under under eights or something <laughs> against under eights. <laughs> no, okay. I, I'm. Oh, I. I don't know. Two two, something like that. Two one. I think it's going to be a t- obviously tight tight game, but as I say, five pints wearing off and feeling sick. <laughs> Don't listen to a single word I'm saying. Um, so that'll probably wrap us up for this week. Um, 
match report will be recorded on Sunday, I imagine, by the team, so look out for that. Um, we will be back recording next Wednesday. It'll be me and Albert Heskiff. Um, he's got to go to a gig or something in Hoxton, which he's not happy about. I'm not. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's because I'm missing my evening chat with you two. Yeah, so... Um, um, but- We'll try and work out who we want to get on. Um, I don't know. See if I'd look into a guest or something. Maybe Simon Jordan will come on with our new TalkSport partnership. However, we're going to just leave on the thought that Lewis Dunk scored his sixth Premier League own goal last night in a 2-1 loss for Brighton. Um, that puts him third all-time in Premier League own goals. But when you look... <laughs> at the list of players who are on in and around him. Richard Dunn leads the way with 10 own goals achieved in 19 Premier League seasons. Martin Skirtle, seven own goals. Phil Jagielka, seven own goals. And Jamie Carragher, seven own goals. Uh, 16 and 17 seasons for the last two and nine seasons for Skirtle. Wes Brown's on six in 17 seasons. Lewis Dunk, six own goals in five plus the challenge of this season. Averaging 1.2 own goals per season. And this season e- barely over yet. Excellent work, Dunkey. And that's without going on the... I reckon he's got another six in the championship. Or in total, not just in the championship. You remember he scored two own goals in a FA Cup game at Liverpool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. That one where he's trying to do kick-ups on the lines and get rid of it. So, I mean, six Premier League own goals. Will's got eight goals against Brighton. <laughs> so, he's, do- he's doing his best, is he, to, to keep up with Will in any way that he can. So, yeah, there's a, a nice thought to leave you on. So, look out for us next week. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Up the palace. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.